The Yesterday and Today podcast is a fan-made, not-for-profit, just-for-fun compilation of chronological source materials as they pertain to the Beatles. This show is in no way affiliated with Apple Corps, nor any organization connected to John, Paul, George, or Ringo in any way, though we do consider ourselves premier members of the Bungalow Bill fan club. So kick back, turn off your mind, relax, and download the stream. We hope you will enjoy the show. Yesterday and today. Nobody loves you when you're down and out. Nobody sees you when you're on cloud nine. Everybody's hustling for a buck and a dime. I'll scratch your back and you scratch mine. I've been across to the other side. I've shown you everything. I got nothing to hide. We are back with part three of the John Lennon radio tour, and we are talking about the last four songs on Walls and Bridges this week on the show, as well as playing that final radio tour, I guess you'd call it a session, a residency perhaps, and I will be your moderator for today, Paul Kaminsky. I'm a revelator, James Kaminsky. I'm the captain, Wayne Kaminsky. All right. We're gonna we're gonna start here with track nine. We're gonna pick up where we left off last episode. Track nine here, Steel and Glass. Now, Dad, am I recalling correctly? I don't know if he ever actually says specifically who this song is about, but I'm recalling that this is about maybe Alan Klein. I don't know where I'm getting that from, though. Do you remember if this was directed at somebody uh, specifically? I think John said in an interview at one point that it could be about Alan Klein, it could be about Paul, but he also made a flipping comment that it could be about himself. Oh. So could be all kind, you know, it could be everyone, all combined into this one song. You know, Lennon's New York walk now, and and he's got an L.A. tan, he's living in L.A., and, you know, steel and glass being his, you know, frames of of his glasses, you know, those kind of things. I, wow, that's interesting. I've never thought of it like that. Obviously, this one has a lot of similarity 
to How Do You Sleep, the song he wrote about Paul on the Imagine album, I never thought about this being him turning the anger on himself as almost a companion song to that. There's something cool about that? Like, if that is true, that would be a very self-aware move on his part. Well, sure. I mean, he talks about saying the lyric, your phone don't ring, no one answers your call. You know, his popularity was a little bit on the wane right at this point. And he also talks in a way about Alan Klein. So I kind of believe when he said it was a little bit about Alan Klein, talking about his mouthpiece squawks as he spreads your lies. But you can't pull strings. But you can't pull strings if your hands are tied. You know, they broke up with uh, Alan Klein a year before this song was released. So there was a lot of things going on, I'm sure, in in his mind. Yeah. I love this tune, and I love the dichotomy of the title and chorus of something like so strong as steel and something so vulnerable and fragile as glass. It, you know, thinking about it as himself, it's very Lenin to be like put up a front of being very strong, you know, as in steel. And then also, he's such a vulnerable person, though, if you listen to his lyrics or his interviews or any of his personal life, you know, he is definitely a very anxious and he's constantly searching for people that he can trust and that he loves and he's a lot more fragile than he lets on i like this song for that reason i also love the horn Mm. section in this song yeah which i think is very very strong this is one of the slower tunes on this album that i really like it chugs along in a powerful way i really enjoy it little big horns is that what yeah yes who also i just looked them up they were they did um it was a very good year the little big horns I had no idea. (laughs) I love the line in this song. Well, your teeth are clean, but your mind is capped. You leave your smell like an alley cat. (laughs) That's really, (laughs) it's nasty. Yeah. Real nasty. Mm. I wonder if each of the verses are about different people, maybe. That could very well be. The first one could be more about him. It's there you stand with your L.A. tan and your New York walk and your New York talk. Your mother left you when you were small, but you're going to wish you weren't born at all. That's Lennon. That does sound an awful lot like Lennon. Right. And then there's a bridge here, which I'm not sure who it would pertain to. Your phone don't ring. No one answers your call. How does it feel to be off the wall? And then verse two is, well, your mouthpiece squawks as he spreads your lies. As he spreads your lies. That's interesting. But you can't pull strings if your hands are tied. And then the bit about the teeth are clean and the mind is capped. It, okay. It does, maybe, yeah. Maybe the your mouthpiece squawks as he spreads your lies. If it has to do with Paul, maybe it's Paul and his attorney, but you can't pull strings hmm. if your hands are tied. And Paul's hands were tied because they were bound by the contract of the Beatles. Um, and then he, he goes into your teeth are clean, but your mind is capped. You leave your smell like an alley cat. That could be... Alan Klein again? Uh, I'm not sure. Maybe. It seems like his and Paul's relationship was in a good place at this time, though. Even in 73, I, it would strike me as strange if he was railing against Paul now, you know? Well, yeah, but they were still being pulled by their respective attorneys. It's hard to say. I don't think he really even knew, but that's why he threw out all three people that it could be about. Right, at the beginning, yeah. (laughs) This is a story about your friend and mine. Who is it? Who is it? Mm. Who is it? He says it three times. Who is it? Who is it? Who is it? And at this point in 73 and in 74, Alan Klein was suing him. So 
Uh, he yeah. was suing them for all the back deals and expenses that Lennon incurred over the course of after the Beatles management from 71 on through right. to present. So he wanted a reimbursement and Lennon right. refused. So, I mean, it could be. Don't know. Hmm. Well, we'll go from there to another song that is derivative in a different way. Beef Jerky, an instrumental song. Lennon's only instrumental song on a solo album? Yeah. I mean, they do say beef jerky an awful lot. Well, <laughs> <laughs> maybe they well, were hollering for it. <laughs> Get down to the 7-Eleven so and give me some beef jerky. <laughs> <laughs> so the... the uh, what? Beef jerky, beef jerky. The derivative part of this song is that the lick is let me roll it. Well, yeah, Paul nicked it. <laughs> no, it's... Yeah? But that's the order is all wrong. This comes out well after Band on the Run. Well after. It comes out after Band on the Run. That's true, but it was recorded before. Hmm. Band on the Run was all done in the fall of 73. Yeah. This, this stuff wasn't recorded until the spring of 74, summer. You're right. Lennon must have nicked the thing, and I don't know if he was doing it intentionally, but it certainly sounds intentional because it's basically just the same thing yeah that's why i like it it's the same lick but i mean the rest of the song is obviously different than just having the lick in there right but who knows maybe it was just on top of mind maybe he was listening to it because it had just come out recently ish right and uh he it was like george allegedly copied the other songs you know maybe this was just on his head yeah and he subconsciously inserted it in there so hmm. maybe i love the song and i love that it's the b-side to whatever gets you through the night because that's quite a statement that's a quite a one-two punch you got the more yeah. poppy a-side on the kind of you know raucous rock and roll on the b-side and i would have loved to have heard more in this style and the little big horns are back at it they they add a lot to this album yeah they really do the horn section is it pumps up the songs to another level mm, right I know how Dad was saying, you know, the Phil Spector stuff isn't his favorite. I think this gives a chunk of sound, not necessarily a wall of sound. Right. right, right. <laughs> it gives you something to sink your teeth into. Right. Yeah, that's a good one. Well, let's move on here to the big closer, essentially, on the record, which is Nobody Loves You When You're Down and Out. Another confessional tune, a favorite of mine, a highlight of his career, I think, as a solo artist. It's sad, but it's also kind of matter of fact it does what i love about certain sad songs not just of lennon's but just in general i love it when the artist is expressing a sad sentiment but almost saying it in a way that kind of lets you off the hook Mm. sad songs Mm -hmm. say so much this is another case of lennon i think writing a song about pain and sadness that i i really like it's something that seems honest and genuine and uh, relatable in certain ways you know Mm -hmm. I think for me, this is the second favorite song on the album for me. Uh, I love it. I think it's really good because it's so true. Yeah. Even in his own life and death, it's just so true. I know so many people that have passed away and everybody puts him down and then all of a sudden he's gone or she's gone and they're the greatest thing. Right. Well, it's, it's just singing about fame, too, or, you know, the ups and downs of fame. Yeah. When you're at the height of your popularity, you can't do anything wrong. And then when you're at the lowest point, everybody piles on and hates you. It's so easy to right. tear down your heroes when you put them on a pedestal. Yeah. And uh, people did that a lot to Lennon. 
Yeah, very true. It was also prophetic of his own death. You know, he became such a symbol and a martyr in the aftermath of his own death. So that yeah. that line in particular, everybody loves you when you're six foot in the ground, is yeah. it, it lands pretty hard, particularly knowing what would happen. And it's it's really sad. <laughs> it's really, really it's, sad. Yeah, yeah. It is sad. Although they updated the code, now it's eight feet, so... Have they really? Look, look, look who's the fool now, Lenny. <laughs> Jeez. Well, have you measured well, graves lately, James? <laughs> several times. On, on that note, we'll move on to the last track. James's here, which is favorite track. James's favorite on the album. It is a minute. Yeah, yeah. A minute and six seconds of John Lennon on piano and Julian Lennon whacking a snare drum for. Again, a minute six here. Uh, The song Yaya, which is done, as we'll learn, more out of spite for the lawsuit he was facing with um, the people who owned Chuck Berry's music catalog. He was under obligation to record a certain amount of Chuck Berry songs. Morris Levy. And... And I never knew, and and I think it's coming up in the in the special. We'll hear this, but I never knew why he says, "All right, we'll do sitting in the la la, and that'll take care of that one." And I love that; it's such a jerk move <laughs> on his part. And not only that, he uses his kid to execute the jerk move, which is I very, think it's a great move. And and I mean, it's funny. And, yeah. And Sean never got a piece in in uh, any of Lennon's albums, so there you go. Well, well, Sean had a whole song written about how much he loves him. <laughs> but a whole so song like, came out with John singing uh, "Good Night" to his uh, little boy Julian. Yeah, well, sung by Ringo, so talk about mixed messages. <laughs> <laughs> but I thought we were going to India for a spot of meditation. <laughs> How's that for a plug? Anyway, James, why, why is this your favorite song on the album? <laughs> it's 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 uh it's good. It's I, good. I don't know. It's it's fun. He's clunking on the piano. It's. It's uh, rough around the edges. It's good. I don't know. This, uh, that's what I'm going to keep repeating. It's good. I don't know. <laughs> All right. Well, this will be where we leave it this week. We're going to head over now to the John Lennon radio tour finale. Dad, thank you so much for putting this wonderful three-part series together. I know when I first heard it last year, because James and I get advanced listen to these things because we're special like that um when i first heard it last year i was not expecting it and i wound up thinking my goodness what a wonderful portrait for this guy and so thanks for putting it together did these exist in their entirety or did you have to piece these together uh they do exist but not in its entirety i mean you can find bits and pieces you can find whole shows you know whether it be on youtube or what have you but what I did was I took, I mean, they're, they've been edited and they've been drawn out. And I just tried to piece it all back together to as best as I can for someone that's not in the radio business <laughs> and put right. it together for everyone to enjoy and listen to, you know. Well, you did a wonderful job and we love listening to them. We know you all did because you responded in full. So thank you for doing that. Thank you for making these episodes such a success. 
And I guess this has been your your moderator, Paul Kaminsky, signing off. This is your revelator, James Kaminsky, signing off. And this is your exterminator, Wayne Kaminsky, signing off. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, what? Continuing with the Walls and Bridges promotional tour, in the late afternoon of September 27th, and on the same day as Lennon's morning KHJ disc jockey stint, John records a telephone interview for Detroit Radio's WABX-FM. WABX Detroit, you have on. This is Pereno until 6 today on, on what happens to be my last day in the afternoon show. I'm moving to the night show. Ken Calvert will be your afternoon disco host every day here on the X. Um, we're on the phone with John Lennon, and we'll get to that right after these words. John, how are you? Hello, Mark. How are you? A, a pleasure to have you on our airways again. You were here live when you uh, were in Ann Arbor, Michigan, uh-huh. for John Sinclair. We carried that live that evening, so John could hear it in jail, if you remember. Oh, yeah, that was a great moment. That was a great moment. <laughs> and uh, that was the last time you were on our air. It's a pleasure uh, to have you on again. I have this news story in front of me that came over the teletype, John, that says that uh, yesterday on radio station CHU. Yeah. You uh, uh, talked about your deportation situation and and, uh, and hinted that possibly Toronto would be your place of residence. It's amazing how these things get out. It is amazing. How they... <laughs> uh, no, the, the, I was doing a, a thing with, with uh, Chum up in Toronto, and they said, have you ever thought of living in Canada? And I said, yes, it sort of passed my mind, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And, uh, you know, and I, I, I was... From that, it was construed to the... Yeah. Amazing. Also, they thought I was in Canada when I was talking to some people. So now I'm, I'm living in Canada. No, well, I like Canada, you know, but I, I, the States is where I want to live. You know, uh-huh. I wouldn't be going through all this hassle. I would have just run to Toronto, right? What is the deal on the deportation situation, John? Well, you know, every now and then they announce I've got 30 days to live. <laughs> I mean, what am I saying? 30 days to get out, you know? Uh-huh. And then I panic and call my lawyer, and he says, well, we're appealing, and it'll give you a few more months, you know? Uh-huh. And it keeps going on and on like that. And it's been going on like that for three years. I've been living here three years now in New York. Uh-huh. And uh, I, I hopefully I'll be living here for a long time to come. i just like to say, people always ask me, what can we do to help, you know? That was going to be my next question. Oh, well, that's good. So uh, I'm ahead of you there, right? All right. The best thing people can do is to write to their congressman or senator or something that just shows them that somebody's interested, you know? Because mm-hmm. as long as they think somebody's interested, they're inclined to to think about it. Otherwise, you know, it's a case of, oh, he, he was thrown out. Oh, really? He's gone? You know? And... Uh, 
because it's like advertisers, they think if they, well, it's true probably, if they get a letter from one person, it represents 20, you know? Yeah, that's true. I, I think our congressman here in Michigan is uh, Congressman Hart. I could be wrong. I'll check it out after we get off the phone. And You've got to have Hart, yes. <laughs> and give his name on the air so that everybody can uh, do that for you. That would be nice. I'd like to thank people in advance and the people that write to me asking what to do. I only came up with this one because I couldn't think of what people could do, you know? Uh-huh. It would be an awful shame if, if for the reasons they're trying to kick you out, they kicked you out of the country. It would be a great loss. Uh, it would be a great loss to me and to everybody that, that uh, respects you and your music and what you've done. And it just seems a, a bit much to go to those extremes for uh, the reasons that they're giving. Well, that's very kind of you, and thank you. Um, we have your new album we've been playing. Oh, that's good. Uh, I played a song yesterday. I haven't completely digested all the lyrics and music yet. Yeah, that's, well, you can't get it in one take. That's it. But there's a song called Glass and Steel. Oh, Steel and Glass. Steel and Glass, right. Yeah. It sounds to me a lot like uh, a, a, another song of yours called How Do You Sleep. The orchestration was real similar. Yeah, well, I tend to um, fall back on myself a lot. You know, I like repeating a, a word or a, or a little lick from another song, you know? Uh-huh. And uh, you, you're right, there is a similarity there, except for this one is about nobody in particular, although you hear me whispering, who is it, who is it? <laughs> so I just like to play a few games, you know? Uh-huh. I thought perhaps it was the second in the series of um, songs about Paul McCartney. Oh, no way, no way. Paul and I are just good friends, as they say, and we've spent a lot of time together this year, more than we have for three years. Uh-huh. Uh, as I said, I have I can't leave the country until I get my green card, I don't think. <laughs> and uh, Paul sometimes has trouble getting in, but we have spent some time together. How's Ringo? And definitely not. About, oh, Ringo's in fine fettle. I was just down there recording with him in Los Angeles. He's doing his next album. And it sounds like another winner, too. So he's in good form. We've been playing your um, Pussycats album. Oh, that's good. I'm glad somebody's <laughs> playing it. <laughs> it's pretty funny stuff. Yeah, well, you, you can imagine what it was like in the studio. <laughs> I was reading in Rolling Stone, the current issue of Rolling Stone, about the sessions for your current album, and uh, that you were working real hard, working those guys real hard. Uh, who else on the album? There's Jim Price, isn't there? And oh, no, it's Jim Keltner on drums, Klaus Vorman on bass, uh, Nicky Hopkins on piano, also Ken Asher on keyboards. He was on Mind Games. Uh -huh. Asher. Uh, let me think. Oh, Jesse Ed Davis on guitar. Yeah. He used to be with Taj Mahal. Right. Uh, they're all people I've worked with before, one way or the other, uh, except for Arthur Jenkins is new, who's a percussionist, fantastic percussionist. Uh, there's Bobby Keys. Howard Johnson, uh, Steve Madeo, and two other fellows who I can't think offhand, Frank and somebody else who were on horns. I had a weird horn section, five pieces. Uh-huh. And, uh, and, of course, the, the orchestra range. The artwork on your new album cover um, made, gave me a few chuckles. Are those pictures on the cover really your artwork when you were a child? Yeah, those are things I did in... Uh, there were the dates on them, right? 1952. Right. And that's a period, uh, in, in England, you go through an exam called the 11 plus when you're 11 and they hang it over you from age five, you know. Uh -huh. If you don't pass this exam, you're finished. <laughs> so that's the only exam that I ever passed, actually, because I was really scared. Where, where are these? And after that, they just let you do what you like and I painted, so that's why I used them. You're quite an artist. Oh, thank you. Uh, where, where, um, where did these uh, paintings come from? Where have they been stored all these years? Well, uh, my auntie Mimi, to, you can see her name. I right. gave her one when it was, you know, to Mimi or something from John. Right. Uh, she kept a lot of my childhood stuff, you know. That's terrific. Yeah. I don't think, you know, I think we all made those things as a child, but how many people still have them available? Uh, yeah, I lost a lot of stuff, you know. I used to, you know what he used to say to her? 
What's that? Just say one day I'll be famous and you throw you've thrown out my poem, you know. <laughs> and we just have big fights about it. But she used to keep sort of things that I didn't want her to keep and throw away things I wanted to keep. Uh huh. Here in the, here in the states, it was always uh, I want to grow up to be the president of the United States, you know, or your your aunt, the equivalent to anybody's aunt Mimi would always say, well, someday you'll grow up and be the president. What a horrible thought at this oh, point. Oh yeah. Well, I always wanted to be Van Gogh or Oscar Wilde because that's the one she used to like. Uh huh. Uh-huh. She always had those books around the house, you know. John, have you planned any road uh, shows? Now, I notice um, your former uh, partner, Mr. Harrison, is, is going on the road and doing quite a tour, and it'll bring him to Detroit December the 4th. Uh, wondering, if, since Dylan has gone on the road, and, and now Harrison and other artists of your stature, uh, have you given it any consideration? Well, I, I do in as much as the people uh, sort of ask me about it, because George and Dylan did it. Uh-huh. Uh, the last time I was really keen to go on the road was 1970-71 when I had that band Elephant's Memory. You know? Right. And that's the reason we got together with, with the band, because I was going to go on the road. And then the immigration thing was really heavy then. I had to go to court all the time. Mm-hmm. And it really sort of put me off, you know. I, I mean, I had them hanging around for 18 months. Uh-huh. And then now the problem is if I get the, the feel to go on the road again, as George will have had to do, which he's going to do now, which is pull a band together, right? Right. And it's not like having a band where you can just say, okay, let's go. You know, I, all you have to do is call Bill Graham or somebody, right, and say, put it on. <laughs> but it's like starting from scratch, you know? And I just don't, I've only just sort of, I just got over the whole pressure of immigration and all that crap, you know? Yeah, so Even it'll... Even though it's still going on, I've just sort of, in my head, I've switched it off. I can dig it, so... I'm just getting back into the music, and I'm more keen to go back into the studio than actually go and perform whatever gets you through the night on stage, you know? It looks like whatever gets you through the night is uh, destined to be a hit single. It entered the charts uh, as I was peeking into the charts last week. It was 58 with a bullet, which is a good place to start. Yeah, it's really doing well, and I'm glad, you know? It's, it's, a, it's a rocking single. Oh, I'm, it's amazing, because that was the one that I, I just, just sort of threw in and wrote at the last minute. You know, it's always like that. Uh-huh. And all the others I was working on like crazy. John, there's a couple of quotes on your new album I found amusing and interesting enough to ask you about. Possession is nine-tenths of the problem. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that, that seems to be uh, uh, on your album. And, and did you really see a UFO? I did really. I wouldn't have put it on, you know, if I hadn't seen it. There's a little tiny note that people could miss if they don't look carefully down in one of the lower corners of your uh, liner notes. It says, I saw a UFO September something, something, something. What, what was the story behind that? Where, where did that happen? It was in New York. New York, of all places. below the height of, of the buildings. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was like, you know, if somebody had been in a higher building, they would have looked down on it. People in New York are sometimes oblivious to reality, though. Things could be happening around them and they wouldn't even notice it. You know, well, the... I'll stick up for New York a bit. I think it's pretty real here, you know. It's just that, you know, I would never have noticed if I hadn't happened to look out. You know, I looked around me and nobody else was looking out of windows or anything. The cars were going on because it's quiet. Mm-hmm. It's very low. It's not that you expect a sort of Martian in the sky. It was below rooftop level and it was just coasting around very quietly like a tourist, you know. It's amazing. It was just pot luck that I saw it. Um, John, I want to thank you. It, it's it's really been terrific. It's, having, pleasure, it's, it's really nice having you on the radio. Good luck with your deportation situation. I will promise to find out our congressman's name here in southern Michigan and uh, get it on the air so people can uh, write for your situation. That's very kind of you. Good luck with your new album. Do you have any TV plans, John? I w- uh, no, uh, people come up with offers, but I just haven't quite got into it, you know? Uh-huh. Because the thing that puts me off TV is the sound. Although I love TV, you know, and I'm a real TV watcher. 
and uh, TV's more interesting to me than going on the road. Do you think those the, the new rock and roll that's been on TV as of the last two years is is a is a viable showcase? Well, my my attitude is it's better than nothing. I remember your One Plus One concert, which was, in my opinion, one of the finer produced uh, rock and roll extravaganzas on TV. It was nicely edited, nicely produced. The sound was a perfect, and it was real nice. And uh, I sure hope you could uh, get behind doing something like that again. I'm more interested in doing in doing something like that than actually going on the road, you know, because TV is is what's happening apart from radio, you know. It reaches so many people. Going into people's houses. That's it. That's it. Right into their living rooms. Yeah. I, I think there's a format. I just have to get the right format to do a, a different kind of show, you know. Yeah. John, one last question. I've always wanted to ask you this. What's your favorite record that you've ever made? What's the one you're most proud of? Oh, I, I can hardly answer it because I have a couple, you know. If it's a Beatle one, maybe Come Together or I'm the Walrus, you know. Thank you. Thank you, John Lennon. Good luck. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. After the interview, John and May fly back to New York City. The next day, Saturday, September 28th, just before 4 p.m., John makes one last radio appearance to promote Walls and Bridges, this time on the New York radio station WNEW-FM, where disc jockey Dennis Elsis interviews him. Chicago and the uh, ballet for a girl in Buchanan. Now, I've been talking about, I don't like to do this. I'd like to have told you all afternoon what was going to happen. But now that it's going to happen, why don't you just say hello? Surprise, surprise. It's <laughs> Dr. Winston O'Boogie at your service. <laughs> I am Dennis's surprise, actually. And he didn't come out of a cake or anything like that. John Lennon is with us and we'll spend some time this afternoon to talk about the new album and a whole bunch of things and maybe even do some uh, disc jockeying yeah yeah it's my second favorite occupation we'll get into some good music okay i'd like to play uh, whatever gets you through the night from a new album it's a single and elton john singing with you. <laughs> Don't need a salt to 
Hello, folks. <laughs> that was them singing together. And uh, are we going to the news, or are we going to drop the news? No, I think I think we'll listen to news later on today. Okay, we know what happened, don't we? Yeah. That's the uh, that's a single. Yeah, we'll and uh, it's uh, it's wild and rough. I I call it crippled inside. You know, it's like releasing crippled inside from the Imagine album instead of Imagine. But I, I took a consensus of consensus of opinion. Because I, after I'd done it, I just couldn't, I couldn't make a head and a tail of which one could be commercial, you know. <laughs> so they told me that one, so here we go, and it seems to be doing all right. Was so. that done, was the whole album done in New York? Yeah, Record Plant. In fact, I've recorded everything since I left England in Record Plant. Oh, anybody listening to Record Plant? Good, <laughs> they're a good gang there. And Al, uh, what is it? Carmine. Carmine. I keep calling him Al Carmine, so it's just mixing it down to quad because I couldn't face it again. I just arrived in L.A. and I got a note saying, we want a quad. Uh -huh. I said, are you kidding? I've just mixed the whole thing. You should have told me that first. But he's doing a good job for the 20 people who buy quad. <laughs> well, you never... The, the cover is, um, for those of you who haven't had a chance to see it yet in your favorite record store... Because it ain't out yet. It's this week. Or it's not week. in the store? I don't know if it's it in is. the... 
Well, Richard, a friend of mine here that went down to get it the other day and they hadn't got it yet. I guess it'll be early next week. It'll be in the shops. All right. Now, there's a drawing on the front. You could call it that, yeah. It's, uh, well, it's hard to explain, isn't it? Because it's all flapped over. The, a guy at Capitol designed it. It's a nice design. The album comes in two parts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is, this, um, is this a... It says John Lennon, June 52, age 11. Is yeah, that? that's true. There's a, an exam they have in England that they hang over your head. You know, there's a couple of them, but one of them is called 11 Plus. And uh, they hang it over you from age five. You know, if you don't pass the 11 Plus, which you take at 11, obviously, then you're finished in life, so that was the only exam that I ever passed because I was terrified. And after that exam's over, the teacher says you can do whatever you want. So I just painted. And these, these are of all the childhood sort of drawings and paintings I did. This was the only ones that ever got saved. And I was originally going to use them for the oldies, but Goldie's album with Spectre, but that sort of fell apart in the middle because of his accident and that. And I, the guide already started the design, so I said, oh, it'll fit the new album anyway, so use them. And there's three or four pictures that I did at that age. And Walls and Bridges, what is that? Uh, is that a prophetic title? or I don't really know, you know. I mean, I get these things that sound nice, you know. I, I had the song number nine dream was called Walls and Bridges, and, you know, I just had the title Walls and Bridges, and I tried to fit it in anywhere like a jigsaw. But, so it didn't seem to fit any of the songs, and I hadn't written anything, so I just shoved it on as the album title. It seemed to be sort of wide enough to cover everything. It's like communication, you know, walls. Right. Four walls, bridges, you go over. I think I heard it on a public service announcement on TV, you know, one of those late-night things where they make you feel awful in between the movies, you know. Number nine dream was Walls and Bridges? was called Walls and Bridges. I mean, some of them have had 20 titles, you know. I, I change them all the time up to the last minute. All right. Well, let's and take a listen. Okay. Number, uh, number nine has no reference back to the old number nine? Well, yeah, I keep... Look, if you look at the cover, and those of you who don't have it, you'll get it. In June 1952, I've drawn four guys playing football, and number nine is the number on the guy's back, and that was pure coincidence. <laughs> and I was born on the 9th of October, and that number nine, number nine Beatle thing was an engineer's voice, you know, and it just sort of seems to be my number, so I stick with it. All right, I need... It's, it's just about four o'clock, Yeah. and so I need an official station break. Okay, this is John Lennon with Dennis on uh, WNEW FM. And we're mucking about on a Saturday rainy afternoon because we've got you all trapped in your rooms, you see, because it's too wet to go anywhere. We even have the 4 o'clock temperature readings. We do? Oh, let's see how hot it is. Temperature is 68. No wonder I'm sweating. Humidity 93, PCT, whatever that is. Percent. Oh, <laughs> why don't they do those little round things? Barometer 30.03 and falling. Oh, disgusting. Wind southeast, 8 miles an hour. Cloudy. And somebody said it was the, wet, the air was unacceptable today, but I accept it. Sounded all That's right. That's the uh, official forecast. Uh, here's the official WNEW weather forecast. Mostly cloudy with periods of rain this afternoon, tonight, and tomorrow. High times. Oh, no. <laughs> Wish it was. High this afternoon and tomorrow in the 70s. Low tonight in the mid 60s. Watch out for it. That's about my period. Monday's outlook fair and cool, man. Okay. Metro Media Stereo at WNEW FM in New York. John Lennon.
Ah, so there we are. That was uh, some Gaelic words. Flower cow pousse. I'm trying to follow the lyrics in here. There's a lyric sheet, thank goodness, for the album. Well, I print them even if I'm not pleased with them, you know, because I always tend to, on a few tracks, bury the voice. There are drawings within the lyric book, too. Are those also from... Uh... Yeah, same period. There's about one that isn't. There's a picture of a horse, I think I did about a year or something later, which is at the end. Mm -hmm. What they did was sort of jumble them up on the cover and then repeat some of them back inside. It's not... I mean, the package is really nice. Well, it's the, f it's the first time since I was a Beatle, as it were, that I let the package out of my hands. I used to even make the cover, like on Mind Games. I handmade it, you know, and cut out little pictures. I enjoyed it. But I didn't really have time, you know. Yeah, and, so, and I'm glad, because I let it go, and the guy came up with something creative, and it's a surprise for me now. I can look at it and enjoy it without sort of, discuss, you know, thinking, oh, I should have done this, should have done that. You've got all kinds of friends, Jim Keltner, Jesse Ed Davis. Yeah, Klaus Foreman, bass, Nicky Hopkins, piano, Ken Asher, keyboards, uh, Arthur Jenkins, percussion, Bobby Keys, Howard Johnson, Eddie Motto on rhythm guitar, Bobby Keys, Howard Johnson, horns, Steve Medeo, and somebody called Frank, and somebody else, I'm not quite, Ron. I had a five-piece horn section, which was weird. It was just the amount of people that turned up. You know. All right, well, we will uh, we'll be spending the rest of the afternoon with John Lennon in Metro Media Stereo, some commercials, and then more talk and music. Dennis Ells is here at WNAW-FM. Produced by George Martin. New music from the Mahavishnu Orchestra. Apocalypse on Columbia Records. Don't miss the Mahavishnu Orchestra at Avery Fisher Hall, Wednesday, October the 2nd. The newest album is available at all Alexander Record Departments at 419. Not a bad price at all. Did you nice to hear George Martin's cooking, right? Mm. When was the last time you did work with him? Uh, Abbey Road. Have you seen him, do you? I, I saw him in uh, California, uh, in the Beverly Hills hotel in, ah. in a bar I went to see him you know and we got a little tiddly and had a little you know old time discussion with the America album the new one he's working on that too I, yeah. I don't know what he's working the last thing he was doing was he was talking of selling or had sold Air London which is his recording set up in England and buying a boat and putting it all on having a, a, a yacht yeah I yeah. said can't wait you know <laughs> call me when you've got it you know if they can balance the tapes and not make it all fall in the water, it'd be great. John has, has brought along a, a couple of records that he thought that all of us might be interested to hear. Um, you know, more often than not, we do things on the air where we, we show you that one riff may have been borrowed from another record, yeah. an older record. Yeah. Uh, maybe you could uh, explain this one a bit. Well, yeah, I brought four singles. This is one of them, oldies but goldies, as it were. This is a, a early 60s record by Bobby Parker called Watch Your Step, which I call Son of What Did, what Did I Say? And there was the great record What Did I Say by Ray Charles, which is the first electric piano I ever heard on tape because nobody could work out what it was on record. And then shortly after, maybe it could have been a year because it all blends in, but this was the next move after What Did I Say, which is Watch Your Step, the lick you, you recognize because I've used it, or the Beatles have used it, sort of in various forms. Recently I heard, in this last year, the Almond Brothers used the lick straight as it was for some song, which is cool, you know. And here it is, it's one of my favorite records.
Molly. Yeah. You know, I, I was mentioning to you off the air that uh, the Yesterday and Today album, I always take the cover and I try and peel, peel back. to look for the b dead babies. Yeah. yeah. What? How did that happen, that, that uh, album cover that never saw the light of day, or if it did, got pulled off? Or it it went out... Um, we took the pictures in London at a, one of those photo sessions. By then, we were really sort of, you know, beginning to hate it. A photo session was a big ordeal, and you, you had time to look normal, you know, and you didn't feel it. And uh, the photographer was a bit of a surrealist, you know, and he brought along all these babies and pieces of meat and doctor's coats, so we really got into it, and that's how we felt. Yeah. yeah. So we sort of, I especially, <laughs> pushed for it to be an album cover, you know, just to break the image, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, it it got out in America, and they printed, about 60,000 got out, and then there was some kind of fuss, as usual, and they were all sent back in or withdrawn, they stuck that awful-looking <laughs> picture which you have in front of you of us sitting... Looking just as deadbeat, but supposed to be happy-go-lucky foursome. You look very unhappy. Yeah, right, right. So we tried to, you know, do something different. Album covers were much simpler then, right? Just yeah, cover you just walk in, take your photo, and walk out. Mm -hmm. Especially in America, because we we made only say ten albums. Actually, in America, there seemed to be thirty of them, and so we would design a cover or have control a bit more of our own covers in England. But America always had more albums, so they always needed another picture, another cover. We used to be very upset because England would have 14 tracks per album, yeah. and then we'd only get 12. Well, they, 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 we used to say, why can't we put 14 out in America, you know, and stop them? Because we, we, we would sequence the albums, how, they should, how we thought they should sound, and we'd put a lot of work into the sequencing, too. And we almost got to not care what happened in America because it was always different. They wouldn't let us put 14 out. They said there was some rule or something that we... And greed, we greed, I think. Well, was whatever it was, you know. They just... And so we almost didn't care what happened to the albums in America until we started coming over more and noticing, like, on the eight tracks, they'd have outtakes and mumbling on the beginning, which is interesting now, but it used to drive us crackers because we'd make an album and then they'd, they'd keep two from every album. There was also... Um there was an album out on the VJ label, whoever was dealing the contracts at that time, uh, before Capitol had Meet the Beatles. Yeah. And then at the same time, Introducing the Beatles came out in America on, on something that's called the VJ label, which doesn't exist anymore, though the albums still... They had Love Me Do. I didn't... I, yeah. I don't remember what else. Well, had. it was re-released later. Capitol got the rights and then uh, called it the early Beatles. I don't um, remember. I only remember Love Me Do. I think that, yeah. was, that was a VJ record. We have a, also in front of us here um, the Beatles' second album. That's what it's called here. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what it is. Electrifying Big Beat Performances <laughs> by England's Paul McCartney, John Lennon, George Harrison, and Ringo Starr featuring Feature. She Loves You and Roll, and Roll Over, over Beethoven. Yeah. You know, many of these things have been remixed the stereo. Oh, it was awful. Yeah, it? I think the original Menorah recordings are... I didn't realize it happened when they put out that package last year. The uh, blue and, and the, red. The two albums. And I just thought, I you know, presumed that they would just copy them from the masters and put them out. And I, I didn't even listen to it until after it was out. And I took it back and I played it. And it was embarrassing, you know. I mean, some of the tracks survived, but it was really embarrassing. Some fool had tried to make it stereo and it didn't work. Yeah. People should stay with the mono and not yeah, be so Yeah, because, you know, it's a, there's a difference between stereo and mono, obviously. And if you mix something in mono and then try and fake it yeah it just you, you lose the guts of it you know and a lot of them lost lost the 
the, the fast version of Revolution was destroyed, you know, I mean, it was a heavy record, and then they made it into a piece of ice cream. <laughs> Oh, never mind. It's all the past, isn't it? Well-chosen words. We're at WNAW-FM, Dennis Elsis with John Lennon, our guest this afternoon. And uh, from the Beatles' second album, you said that there would be something to listen to carefully in the middle of oh, this when, song. When you presented the album to me, I noticed I Call Your Name, which, A, was a song I wrote when I was about 16, except for the middle eight, which we did scar. Uh, uh, now it's called reggae. It, oh, it was blue beat. It was a bit like rock and roll uh, reggae. It went through different periods. It was blue beat, then it was ska, and then it became reggae. And this is our first attempt at sort of Jamaican, and it's in the middle eight. I call your name, but you're not there. Was I to blame for being You've been gone I never weep at night I can't go on Don't you know I can't take it I don't know who can I'm not gonna make it I'm not that kind of man Oh, I can't sleep at night just the same I never weep at night Just the same If you like the ballet, you're going to love the Joffrey. And if you hate the ballet, you're still going to love the Joffrey. Uh, yeah, the Joffrey will be at City Center from October the 9th. Happy birthday, John, through November the 3rd. <laughs> the box office on 55th Street between 6th and 7th Avenue opens every day at 10 a.m. Reserve tickets on a major credit card by calling 489-6810. Don't miss it. Hmm. Yeah, my auntie used to like ballet, but she didn't like the men's crotch. She says, it's all right, except for those terrible crotches. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to play Electric Light Orchestra uh, from last year, Showdown, which I thought was a great record, and I was expecting it to be number one, but I don't think uh, UA got their fingers out and pushed it. And it's a nice group. I call them Son of Beatles, although they're doing things that we never did, obviously. But I remember the statement they made when they first formed was to carry on from where the Beatles left off with Walrus, and they certainly did. 
Now, for those uh, people who like to know where licks and things come from, which I do, because I'm always nicking little things myself, this is a beautiful combination of I Heard It Through the Grapevine by Marvin Gaye and uh, Lightning Strikes Again, Lou Christie. And it's a beautiful job with a little walrus underneath.
Ah, <laughs> oh, we're having a break here. It's John Lennon and Dennis Hoshrin and WNEW Metro Media Stereo if you've got the equipment. Otherwise, it's on your cable TV, which is just as good, I always find myself. We're just looking through uh, to see what else to play. Oh, we've got something lined up here, right? Yeah. First, we've got to do some commercial. Oh, we've got to do some... Oh, no, I love commercial. The official, you know, you have to tell us what we... we uh... Oh, the official... Oh, that was uh, Showdown, Electric Light Orchestra. Uh, that was the one before that one. <laughs> and uh, Grapevine was one of the parts of the inspiration for it by Marvin Gaye. ELO was on UA and Marvin Gaye was on his own. And now we're going to play a track from uh, Magical Mystery Tour, which is one of my favourite albums because it was so weird. And uh, it's I Am The Walrus. It's also one of my favourite tracks because I did it, of course. But also because it's one of those that has enough little biddies going to keep you interested, even a hundred years later. And this is for the ELO freaks. <laughs> Thank you. 
Oh, before that, we oh, we know no, we did we that. did that. We We're did, long right. gone. Okay. We're long gone. It's 26 minutes before five, and we'll continue with John in just a moment. Isis, yeah, they're great. See, Isis at the joint in the woods. That sounds very interesting. Mm-hmm. In Parsippany. Parsippany. Oh, pa- Parsippany, New Jersey, September 28th. The album is is oh. <laughs> The album Isis, available now at See Below. Read one, cross off. Uh, what does that mean? Harmony House stores, Valley Fair music stores, all Harmony Huts, all Corvette stores, all right, all Two right. Guys stores, <laughs> and Alexander's. You can also get it in record shops. <laughs> they all got a plug there. Yeah, what? well, I didn't know which was crossed off. And well, was. that's all right. We're, I mean, I'm not used to this, you know, Dennis. Yes, we'll give them, we'll give them all credit. Um, you've been producing. Oh, yes, I've been producing I mean, there's the own, your, your own album, the new one, Walls and Bridges, and then there's this one, this odd album. This odd album by John Lennon and Harry Nielsen having a fit in L.A., yes. Well, uh, I was in the middle of the Spectre album, which is, some of you will know what it is, I was making Oldies, but Goldie's al- album with Spectre, and, and he had a few ac- car accidents, and was that was the end of that for a bit. Will it happen, that record? Uh, I have nine tracks, which... Phil sent me three days before I went in the studio to make Walls and Bridges out soon. <laughs> and so I couldn't do it. You know, I was waiting and waiting for months and I was just sort of hanging around with Harry and Nielsen and people in L.A. and just getting into trouble. And whenever we got into trouble, it was my name in the paper. So I thought, you know, forget this. You know, every time we go out for the night, I end up in the paper. <laughs> so, you know, I said to Harry one hangover morning, what are we doing, man? We're wasting our time here. We may as well put all this energy into work. And I knew he was going to make an album. I didn't feel like starting a new one because I had one half finished. I said, look, I'll, I'll produce you. And we had a good time making it. We had a lot of friends in there playing. I won't go through the list again. Half of them on my album, half of them on Ringo's, half, you know, the, the usual crew with a few added extras like Keith Moon. Some tracks are beautiful. Some tracks are a bit weird. But... Uh, Harry Nielsen and John Lennon together is a pretty weird combination. <laughs> the right. weather is still weather. Yeah, well, the, here's the new weather, Jim. Oh, boy, more weather. But there's no temperature reading, so we'll oh. take it. Occasional periods... Oh, this is the weather, folks. Occasional periods of rain tonight and tomorrow, ending tomorrow night, low tonight in the 60s, high tomorrow in the 70s. Cooler tomorrow night with a low in the 50s. Oh, talking of the 50s, we've just been there... Monday's outlook, sunny, windy, and cooled. You, know, you remember that old joke? This, tomorrow will be sunny, followed by money, tuny, wendy, thurny, friday. Tomorrow will be muggy, followed by chuggy, weggy, thurgy. Tomorrow will be just the same as today, only different. Thank you. Shall we do the commercials? Yeah, let's do some okay. commercials. Yeah, there you ah, go. That was uh, Kansas. Kansas' newest album is available at all Corvette stores for 337 tape 487 I never understand how they can have different prices on all the records, you know. You records know, like, and you tapes? Know, some cost $6 for an album, some cost 4 What is your new album? I have no idea. I always get surprised by seeing the price later, you know. Yeah. I, I guess it's reasonable, folks. It's reasonable. Right. Uh, okay, Rock returns to Radio City, October 3rd. Toyed. In there when Leslie West, Felix Papalardi... Oh, he was one of them, wasn't he? Is he the one? No. And Corky Lang. 
Join together as Mountain performs in concert for one show only. Tickets available now at Radio City Music Hall, Box Office and Ticketron Outlets. Only a theatre as large as Radio City can contain the power and excitement of Mountain. Be there October 3rd, 8pm. That place is just near Record Plant. Hmm. Um, I've got uh, a new album here from... Which George, Splinter, yeah, Splinter. The, the new label, George's uh, Dark Horse. Dark Horse, yeah. What, do you it's see a them? nice looking label, right? Do you see the three of them? Uh, I've seen Paul and George, a lot, uh, Paul and Ringo a lot this year, uh, because they've been over here. Paul was here about a month ago, and I spent a couple of Beaujolais evenings with him reminiscing about when we were only 38. And Ringo I've seen a lot of, because he's been over here recording. I was just down, in the middle of my album, I just took a break and went down and did a track I'd written for Ringo on his new album. And then I went to Caribou and sang Lucy in the Sky with Elton John and then came <laughs> back and finished my album off. So, and uh, Paul and Ringo, yeah, George I haven't seen, but he's coming over in October to rehearse. So I'll go and see him then. Relationships are cordial. Oh, very oh, warm, warm. Very warm, my dear. All right. Are they getting together? Yes, are they getting together? Well, uh, we'd have to be on Dark Horse label the way things are going. Uh, we never talk about it because the four of us have never got into a room together because of uh, green cards and immigration and all that jazz. George and Paul have a little trouble getting in and out of this country too. And uh, so the four of us have never sat in a room together for three years. Although we've managed to get three together in one room. That was Paul, Ringo and me. That was sometime in the summer in the middle of Harry's album, actually. And uh, so the, there's always, uh, you know, if you say no, it's a negative. They all hate each other. If you say yes, it's, it's rolling crawdaddy. Cream says they're getting together, you know, or Harry's bringing them together or something. Uh, there's always a chance we'd work together because, you know, if we see each other, we tend to fall into that kind of mood. But it, I can't see us touring or anything like that. We've never discussed it. I could see us making records. You know, why not? But uh, that touring bit, I don't quite fancy that myself. There's no definitive plans for an no, album, no, though. No, no, no. We're more liable to be inclined to work together in 76 when the contract comes up. I mean, <laughs> to be very commercial about it. I mean, if it, we'd be stupid to, to give away anything new at the rate we get paid now. Hmm. Mm -hmm. All right, you've heard it. You've heard it from the Dark Horse himself. <laughs> and we're going to play some Splinter, which is a group George uh, has just produced. I haven't heard the album. I just heard a bit on your radio station the other day, on cable TV, actually. And the singer, Bill Elliott, I used on a, a sort of, not a charity record, but a record that I made for an underground paper in England called Oz. And they were having a lot of hassles in court. And Bill Elliott was one of the singers. He sang something, whatever it was, God Save Oz. And here's the first track from side one on the Splinter album. And we'll see. It sounded like George on the radio last night.
but we'll tell you what was happening hours ago, because if you're like me, you wait and wait to hear what it was. Why don't they tell you what it is? A few hours ago. Oh, it's not this list up there. Oh, it's not that bad. Gravy Train. Was that? The writing is amazing, Dennis. <laughs> Gravy Train by Splinter on Dark Horse, brackets A&M, which was George Harrison's production of Splinter. Sounds pretty good, too. And the greatest we heard, you probably recognize that, Ringo on Apple, which is the song I wrote for him and uh, sang along with him. It should have been a single, I always said. They wouldn't even give me the B-side. Next time I'll get it. And then we went to Walls and Bridges, which happens to be my new album, and I'm Dr. Winston O'Boogie, otherwise known as John Lennon. And that was What You Got. Uh, the guitar lick was inspired, should we say, by Money, 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 by the OJs, was it? Yeah. But of course, you'd never recognize it now, and that's on Apple or Capital, and it's available at all those record stores that I keep mentioning. We need it. It's uh, just a minute past five o'clock, so we yeah. need an official, even, and you have to give the FM after the WNEW, oh, and I you wouldn't. have to give the city. The city? Well, right. we know which city we're in. No, but, but in case someone from... Okay, and you do Metro Media before the... Or after? Well, it, that's not legal. You can just throw that in. Okay, this is... Uh, I keep getting your last name uh, lost in my socialist. Dennis will do, will it? Okay, this is John Lennon with Dennis on Metro Media Radio on WNEW-FM, New York City. It also comes through on Sterling Cable Manhattan TV on Channel N and Channel 3. And it's very good, you know? They don't even know it themselves. I've been talking to the people here that don't know it. <laughs> well, are we going to play this record now? Or? No, we have to commercial. Oh, well, here's a nice little commercial. I'll have a whopper if it's a whopper. <laughs> Stravinsky, the right of spring. On Columbia Records. Yeah, Boulay, folks, listen to this. Play Cart C1. Pierre Boulet's album, The Rites of Spring, spelled R-I-G-H-T-S, <laughs> very subtle, is available at a special low price, no wonder I tell myself, at all Corvette stores for only three eighty-seven. Or you could get my album instead, but that's a matter of choice. <laughs> Tonight at the Joint in the Woods, guess who's there? It's Ladies' Night, they won't like that, Woman's Night, featuring the exciting eight-piece all-female group, Isis, or Isis, depending where you come from. All-females admitted at half price. Oh, good. Well, Bowie can get in. Also, dance and party with lock, stock, and barrel. That probably is a group because it's in inverted commas. Coming next Wednesday, <laughs> Wednesday, October the 2nd, to the joint in the woods. Nothing like a joint in the woods, he says, losing his green card possibilities in one blow. <laughs> T-Rex on Friday. Now, that's a good band. Now, he's getting... He's by a couple of his records. He's getting fat with worry. On Friday, October the 4th, Martha Reeves. She's great. And Saturday, October the 5th, Buzzy Linhart. She's great, too. <laughs> For more information, call... Get your little pencils ready. 201-335-98-00. 9800. Joint in the Woods. Parsippany. Yes. Got it this well time. Done. Yeah. Sounds like a group. New Joyzy. Where the stars shine. All right. We're not going to bother with the weather. Just look out of the window. Oh, you want the weather? It's the okay. degrees have changed. Oh, this is a nice degree. The temperature's 69. <laughs> Get it? <laughs> yeah. Humidity is 90%. Number nine. That's all right. Barometer 30.013. That's another nine. Inches and falling. Inches and falling. That sounds like a song. Wind. Southeast at six. See, it's all six and nines. Very deep, man. Very deep. The weather in Central Park is still there, and it's cloudy, okay? That was UPI. 
We're only giving you one version of the weather, so you don't get confused. Ah, uh, yes. Are we going back to the my yeah. favorite we, gold? We are, uh, just so everyone can tune in properly, at 102.7. 102.7, in case you're not quite on the dial there, otherwise you get that terrible hissy treble jazz. Yeah. And uh, John Lennon is our guest? Yes, he is. Or maybe it's the other way around. Well, it depends. Which, no, I think I'm the guest, because I'm sitting behind the, the thing, aren't yeah. I? Although I do have the sweeties and but the... But you, you brought the records along. I brought four only. You know, I, w I didn't know how you'd take it. I nearly brought a hundred, but, <laughs> you know, I forget to play my own album. I'm so busy playing these old... This is what another is American record that was... that nobody I know over here seems to have ever heard of it. And it's called Some Other Guy by Richie Barrett. There is a strange bootlegs of the Beatles singing it rather crackily from the cabin somewhere. It, but way back in 61. This is another what I call Son of What Did I Say, Son of Watch Your Step, Son of Lick Records, and this is a guy called Richie Barrett, who's also a songwriter. I think he's still around, but I don't know what he's doing. This is some of the guy. You'll notice the intro is slightly like in some karma.
That was an album version. It wasn't the original single, which, as far as I know, was the first electric piano on record that I ever heard. And what did I say is seemed to be the start of all the guitar lick records because none of us had electric pianos, so we all did it on guitar to try and get that low sound. And before that, everything was mainly licks like you get on the Little Richard rock and roll records, like Lucille licks, where the, the sax section and the guitar played it. And uh, what did I say started a whole ball game, which is still going now. 
<laughs> That's all I've got to say about that. Dennis Elsis, you see, I got his last name from Roberta. You're listening, Roberta? She's making chocolate pudding, and I'm starving. <laughs> all right. <laughs> We are in Metro Media Stereo, WNEWFM, and with, with John Lennon. In 1963 and 4 and 5, when the, uh, when the Stones were the group that was coming up hard and yeah. strong behind the yeah. Beatles, were you all friends? Yeah, uh, we, we went to see them at, um, I believe, the place was called Crawd Daddy in Richmond, and also, uh, I think, another place in London. And they were run by a different guy then, Giorgio Gamelski, who also dis discovered brackets, you know, uh, quotes. The what's that group everybody goes for that Jeff Beck was in? Uh, oh, what, I can't remember the name. One of those mid-sixties English groups, anyway, which I never thought were much cop except for Jeff Beck. Every one of those group, everybody went through the Yardbirds. Yardbirds, that was his son of Stones, but they never really had a singer, you know, or a performer. And uh, immediately we started hanging around London. The Stones were just up and coming in the clubs then, and we knew Giorgio through Epstein, and we went down and saw them, became good friends. And uh, <clears throat> the, the story on how th this song we're going to play, I Want to Be Your Man, which we virtually finished off in front of them, because uh, they needed a record. They'd put out Come On by Chuck Berry, and they needed a quick follow-up. And... We went down, uh, we met Andrew Oldham, who used to work for us, or used to work for Epstein, and he'd then gone with the Stones and probably got them off Giorgio Gomelsky, and he came to us and said, have you got a song for him? We said, sure, you know, because we, we didn't really want it ourselves, which is one way of putting it. We went in, and I remember teaching it to him, you know, and the whole story of it, which helped my memory of it, because it all fades away, is in that book on Mick, which Mick's not keen on, I understand that, but... That's what the, uh, it, Tony Scududo yeah, 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 but it's all right for people who are not writing about those books, you know, if it was about me, I wouldn't like it probably either, but I must say I, I raced through it for all the juicy bits like everybody else, right? And, the, and it's, it's very interesting, I don't think it really harms him, you know, it shows that he's, he knows what he's doing, which is cool. I don't think he did anything to Brian Jones either. So here's I Want to Be Your Man by The Stones Themselves.
other can Love you like no other baby Like no other can I wanna be your man 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 Tell me that you love me baby Let me understand Tell me that you love me baby I wanna be your man That's the only one that the uh, the two groups ever did. Yeah, the, uh, the only records we covered. I mean, that we both did the same. Yeah, they did it first. We did it with Ringo after, and uh, that was it. That was the, the Stones' second single. I don't know what happened over here, but in England it was. You're still in touch with them, and you speak with them. Yeah, I see. Uh, I know Mick's around now. I haven't seen him this trip, but I, last time I saw him was L.A. In fact, we were jamming together down in record plant west and we made quite a good track i was so-called producing it meaning sitting behind the desk and was there ever was there ever talk then or is there talk now of the groups getting together and doing something we never talked about it because in the early days we just had our own careers to look after and we we hung around in two separate periods one was when they were initially still playing in the clubs I remember the first thing one of them ever brian jones came over and said are you playing a harmonica or, or a harp on on Love Me Do, because he didn't know how, I got, he, he knew I got this bottom note, and he suspected, I, was, I said a harmonica, you know, with a button, which wasn't real funky blues, you know, if you're supposed to, but you couldn't get uh, Hey Baby licks on a blues harp, and we were also doing Hey Baby by Bruce Chanel at that time. And then the later period is when we were both sort of riding high, and there was a discotheque scene in, in London, and the main club we all went to was uh, the Ad Lib, there was a couple more, but they were never as big, bag of nails. But we, we used to just go in there and dance and talk music and uh, generally get drunk and stoned and high. And one of the records we always played was a, in, the, in the ad lib itself, folks, with all of us sitting there listening and dancing, looking super stoned. And the record was called Daddy Rolling Stone by Derek Martin, which The Who later did a sort of version of like the English usually do of these great records. Not too good. That's including us. This was an American record. Oh, yeah, another great American record. That's all we ever played, American records. There was no such thing as English records those days. So here's Danny Robinson, Derek Mar Martin on Sue Records, about 63, probably.
Don't you? I love them things. Derek, I'm five pounds overweight and I want a Whopper, isn't it? Derek Martin. Yeah, Derek with a D-E-R-E-K. Daddy Rolling Stone. Now you heard the real one for all you who freaks. All right. Station break and commercials is what's next. Okay, this is WNEWFM, New York City, New York. 105, 102.5. No, 10, which is it? Well, if you're listening, you're tuned in. That's the main thing. 102.7. 102.7. I just turn it around till I hear what they say. And here's a nice Whopper commercial. <laughs> May I help you, sir? If I wanted a Whopper and I asked you to hold the pickles and hold the lettuce, I know I'd get that fast. But would I get to hear you sing? No, sir. No? You'd get to hear us sing. Girls? Whopper's one big hamburger. Yeah, have it your way. Have it your way. Have it your way. At Burger King. Come on now, have it your way. Was, I think, Tom Rush's newest album. It's available at all Sam Goody Goody stores for $3.69. Tapes $4.89. When they get cheap, tape cheaper. We can forget about this wax. You can never get the sound on. You can see him at the bottom line this Friday. It's a club I've been mentioned as going to, which I've never been to, but I will one day. Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, September the 27th, September 29th. If it didn't make sense, that's Tom Rush's newest album at all Sam Goody stores, and he's on the bottom line Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, 27th, 29th of September. Well done. Okay, I got carried away there. Time, time check? Ah, time, we're on the air, and it's, uh, oh, it's a minute past half past five. 
which is, I guess, 31 minutes to 6. You have a funny way of saying things. Before 29 minutes before, before the, hour, the hour. And 31 minutes past. Yeah, what the... hour, I ask myself every time they say, which hour are they talking about? Is it, um, we, we've got uh, just 29 minutes left and about 8,000 questions. It yeah. went, our, our two hours or so have gone. 8,000 records to play, too. Hmm. Is it, um, is it easier to be a John Lennon celebrity in New York? Are people less apt to hassle you and uh, uh, bother you with, with things? Can you go about your life? Can you have dinner in a restaurant? Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, there's no, that goes for L.A., Frisco, anywhere. I think people are a bit cooler in New York. <laughs> and I've been here three years, and people sort of will wave or something, or a taxi driver will say, oh, you know, are you still here? Or whatever, good luck and all that jazz about immigration. <laughs> can we... Uh, yes, we can. Yes. What, what about all that? <laughs> and so anyway, I do get it. One of my biggest kicks is just going out to eat or going to the movies, you know, and doing things I couldn't do when I was, you know, in the middle of the Beatles stuff. And I really get off on that. And people, occasional people ask for autograph or just want to shake hands is the coolest one that happens, which is cool with me. And uh, I'm just known enough to keep my ego floating, but unknown enough to get around, which is nice. You like New York? I love it, you know, and uh, that's why I'm fighting so much to stay here uh, so as I can be in New York. You know, maybe they could just ban me from Ohio or something. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing against Ohio. But what What's the status? I mean, we saw photographs of you walking in and out of court buildings. With my suit on. Yes, you look very nice. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Well, every now and then, this is the way, as it appears to me, which is virtually like it appears to the public, because I don't follow it in detail unless the lawyer calls me, Leon Wiles, nice guy. Every now and then, I, I suddenly hear that I've got 30 days to get out of the country. Last time I was on the way to record plant, I was in a taxi and the radio was on, I just heard it announced over the radio. So, being jocular, I said, drive me to the airport, Sam. <laughs> and uh, we were laughing about that, and uh, apparently the my lawyers hadn't told me because they didn't want to depress me in the middle of the album. But I, I got it over the airwaves instead. And they say, you've got 30 days to get out, and then my lawyer appeals it, and that gives me another six months or, or something like that, and it goes round and round in circles. The last time I was in court was... I think the government had taken me to court for something or other, and our plea was, could we uh, interview the prosecution counsel that, that, that had originally been the government's prosecution counsel and the head of immigration? Could we, we have them on the stand, you know, to examine them or whatever? But we were not granted that, you know, so we're not allowed to talk to the... Uh, the, their ex-lawyer, who's a nice guy and a straight guy, and he'd probably tell us the truth, you know. So somebody doesn't want us to interview them. But I seem to be still here, and I don't have any intentions of going. And I'd like to thank all the people that write to me, because I don't usually answer, because I have no answer, you know, about how they can help. But one thing that does help, I think, A, the fact that you write to me is helpful, because it cheers me up when I think about it. And the other thing is, if you just write to your local senator or congressman, that keeps them in, it keeps the thing in their minds. And it isn't like, oh, he's already gone, what happened? Because uh, those, uh, senators and congressmen are a bit like advertisers. If they get a letter from one person, they reckon it's from, it represents 50 or 100. And it just reminds them when they're sitting over their cigars somewhere and the case occasionally comes up, they might think, oh, well, yeah, you know, my constituents wrote me a letter about that. So that's about the only way you could help. Yeah, it was, you know, it was sad when Charlie Chaplin 
I know. finally came back to America. That's why I don't want to happen to me. Years. You know. Gosh. I'd hate that. You know, they wheel me on at 60 and give me a plaque for yesterday. And Paul wrote it, you know. <laughs> I mean, I can just see it, you know. I don't want that. I'd like to live here, you know. I don't harm anybody. I've got a bit of a loud mouth. That's about all, you know. And uh, I make a lot of music, and that's what mainly I do. I'm either making music, watching TV, or listening to the radio. And uh, occasionally I get into a little spot of trouble, but nothing that's going to bring the country to pieces. No, certainly And uh, I think there's certainly room for an odd Lennon or two here. I agree. I know, I know uh, everyone out there does, too. We, uh, we're sitting with the new album in Metro Media Stereo at WNEWFM. John Lennon here, and uh, this is a track called... Oh, this is a track called Scared, which means at the moment I was writing it, that's how I felt. But now I'm quite happy, thank you. Oh, I'm 
That was scared. Scared? Scared, yeah. From uh, walls and bridges. Out soon or out now at all those record stores mentioned. Come on, Goody, put it in the window now. <laughs> well, let's not forget Harry Nielsen's pussycats. <laughs> let's hope so. Um, some commercials? Yeah, Let's why, go. you're going to put your own commercial on, aren't you? It I must be so. funny putting your own. Well, it's like me here plugging my own records, right? <laughs> Hold on. If you were wondering what happened to happy music, then take a listen for the next 60 seconds to Felix Cavalieri. Cavalieri. If he sounds familiar, then maybe you remember when Felix was a leading member of the Rascals, writing and singing all that good love and music. Now in his first solo album, which he co-produced with Todd Rundgren, the magic continues. Felix Cavalieri by Felix Cavalieri on Bearsville Records and Tapes. Yeah. Felix Cavalieri's new album is available at all Sam Goody music stores. Four nineteen for the album, five sixty nine for the tape, produced by Todd Rundgren, who's great. Good old Todd. Also, Felix worked with my engineer in the early days, Roy Sicala, from Record Plant. Mm-hmm. It's all in the family, isn't it? Come do another commercial. Oh, goody. White since 1921, White Castle. Ah, we on? Yes. Yeah, sir. okay. All 29 White Castles in the New York, New Jersey area are open 24 hours a day. Locations are Roosevelt Avenue and 69th Street in Woodside, Rockaway Boulevard and 97th Street in Ozone Park and at Norton Boulevard and 88th Street in Jackson Heights. And if you can't make it to there, you go to my friend Richard's restaurant called Home on... Uh, I've forgotten the name of the avenue, Richard. <laughs> 91st and 2nd, and they rock like hell in there. So they're, they're going to kill me, but what the hell? It's a nice place. It is a nice place, mm. yeah, and they play good music. This is and thank you, King Carol, for putting Harry in the window. I'm getting them all in. Hello, Mother, Father, Auntie Joyce. <laughs> um, it's, it's very odd for me to be sitting here in a way. Uh, I guess it's odd for you to be sitting here, too, in a way. Uh, because, you know, ten years ago, I was uh, just a... a Beetle freak sitting there taping you off the Ed Sullivan show and then just a beetle and freak. buying the records oh, and so on. And now so you get them free. That's true. <laughs> and sitting here and um, does it make sense to you to to have been so important and to be so important to so many people and 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 to have been a member of a group that changed hairstyles and clothing and does all of that make any sense at all? Can you deal with that enormous? Well, I have to deal with it because you know I was in it. You know. When I look back on it, it, it's sort of vaguely astounding, you know, the fact that I was in there. But when you're in it, we always call it the eye of the hurricane, you know. It was calmer right in the middle than it was on the peripherals. And the, uh, what was the rest of it you said? Because you got me onto that Chuck Berry thing, right? Yeah, That's what I we're was, talking about before. Yeah, I, I, I wondered, you know, because I sit here... Uh, now as a, as a disc jockey playing yeah. the record and interviewing John Lennon as a... Yeah as a guest on the program, but uh, ten years ago, five years ago, three, four years ago, this would have been the most unlikely thing in the world to me, and I find it 
wonderful and ironic and very weird at the same time that it would happen this way. Well, I guess it, it, I understand your point because I was doing a radio thing on the phone with a, a radio station somewhere. I don't know, what, I can't remember where it was, and the guy was talking the same way, you know, so it was strange because he'd been 16 in the middle of all the Beatlemania, mm. and there I was on the phone mumbling, you know. And he, he put it well. He said it was like when he saw me on Mike Douglas' show, the way I was acting towards Chuck Berry, because although I was there with Chuck Berry and I'd been sitting backstage with him, I met him a few times over the years, I still had that feeling that when I was 16, those are the records I listened to at what we call milk bars in England, the jukebox, and I could never quite see him as a human because there was one of my idols actually talking to me. And I, I understood when I, when I used to order you know, a steak and something, and the, the waiter just didn't hear me because he was too busy looking at me saying, it talks, you know, it talks. So I, I understand it in a way because if I see any of those people from the, that period of my life when I was 16, I really don't know quite how, if I'm all there when I'm talking mm. to them. You know. It's a sort of effort to see, oh, yeah, it's a human being, but it is Chuck Berry, isn't it? It's it's very nice to know that it's a human being. I mean, it's it's delightful to feel as comfortable as you've made me the last uh, hour and a half. Well, or so vice versa, time. because this is your territory, not mine. You know. I'm glad you came up too, because you know you've been in New York three, four years, and and uh, we've played the records, and it's a delight to to finally have you come down and and say hi. And I do hope that you'll come back again too. Well, you know, I, I, you can see I'm enjoying it. I wish I'd brought more of my oldies, but I thought I wouldn't want to flood all these young glitter kids with oldie records from the <laughs> '60s, but. Uh, I really do enjoy it, and I always felt a bit more strange about doing radio in New York because I began to feel as though it was my hometown. And it's like, it's like almost putting on an act to go on the radio. I did a lot of TV in the early days I was here, but that was different. TV's big and it goes everywhere, and it really is a show in a way. Uh, but I, I tend to feel, felt as though I could do radio easier in, say, L.A. or Frisco, where it was like being in a foreign country almost. But here, I feel so. Well, the people know me. They see me on the street. I, I've been almost in every cab in New York. You know, it's strange to be sort of talking through a microphone to people. But uh, it's I, I do enjoy it. And uh, as you know, I've told you that I listen to your station because uh, they've always been good to me and my friends and the music. And if I and also it, as I said before, it comes to the cable TV, and I'm a TV freak. So uh, there you are playing the stuff. And I thought. I always meant to come down, but I always think, well, what do you do? I'm John Lennon, I'm coming down to play record. You know, you feel such a fool. But here I am, and uh, I'd talked to Elton John, who's a good friend, and uh, he does it, and, you know, I thought, well, he, he is the, the big one now, you know, I mean, there's not many bigger than him at the moment, and he feels comfortable, he enjoys himself, he told me he had a good time, and he sort of almost turned me on to doing this kind of thing again. In, in the Beatle days when you were a kid, uh, <laughs> well, uh, we used to, we were so overawed by American radio, they had to, Epstein, our manager, had to stop us. We phoned every radio in town just saying, will you play the Ronettes doing this? I mean, we want to hear the music. We didn't I, ask for our own records, we asked for other people. I, I know there was a historic afternoon where, which uh, you spent in a hotel room with, with Scott Muni, one, yeah. of the, one of the few yeah. people to... Hello, Scott, if you're listening. ...to uh, make that transition from being then uh, one of the king of the top 40 people and uh, and now runs this station he's, yeah. he's the boss and he's on in the afternoon and he of course was that old station the old call letters but they they, they took the b and made it beetle c aha uh -huh. yeah. I, I remember those days mm -hmm. it was good and I, I didn't see scott today because he wasn't here but maybe next time i come i can sit around with scott for a bit you know he's a good lad 
<laughs> it's nice to meet the ones who've been around, you know, because it's like we all went through it together. You asked me before about how did I assimilate it. And, you know, that bit about we changed everybody's hairstyles, but something influenced us, whatever's in the air, to, to do it, you know. And pinpointing who did what first, you know, is, is, doesn't really work. We were part of whatever the 60s was, and we were like the, uh, the ones that were chosen to represent whatever was going on on the, on the street. It was happening itself, you know. It could have been somebody else, but it wasn't. It was us and the Stones and people like that. And uh, here we all are, you know. And we all went through it together. I just need an introduction to the 6 o'clock news, which is 30 seconds ah. away. In 30 seconds, you will hear the doomsday voice of the 6 o'clock news telling you what happened 24 hours ago, because they never know exactly what's going on at this minute. Jonathan, no uh, Jonathan Schwartz will be here, Jonathan and I'll be back Schwartz. tomorrow from 12 to 4, and I hope you'll come back soon. I'll be back someday. Who knows when? Only the shadow knows. <laughs> this is Dennis Elsis thanking John Lennon at WNAW-FM in New York. Okay, okay, we're, we're just sitting in the la la. I'll get rid of that. One, two, three, four. Sitting in the la la, waiting for the ya ya. Or to contact the show, visit yesterdayandtodaypodcast.wordpress.com or email at yesterdayandtodaypodcast at gmail.com. Also visit at yesterdaypod on Twitter and search Yesterday and Today Podcast on Facebook. See you next time. Paul Kaminsky. I'm James Kaminsky. And I'm Wayne Kaminsky. And we bring you the Kaminsky family of podcasts Yesterday and Today and the Third Men podcast. You might know me from one of those dumb voices I do, or my dad <laughs> from his better show than ours. <laughs> wow. And we're here to tell you about some cool merchandise you can pick up for the shows. As we mentioned in each episode, we do not in any way profit from these shows whatsoever, but to break even on some expenses, we have put up some cool merch that you can pick up to help support the show. Yes, some fun apparel, things you can put on yourself. Are we going to be selling Marks and Spence underwear? <laughs> Don't worry, we will. <laughs> you can head to our social media pages, that's facebook.com slash yesterdayandtodaypodcast or facebook.com slash thirdmen or you could head to society 6 dot com slash Kaminsky Family Podcast, that's society, the number six, dot com slash K-A-M-I-N-S-K-I Family 
podcasts. Yeah, keep our lights on. I'm in the dark. Dad, any words of wisdom? Hello? The lights just went out. (laughs) Guys, we need your help. (laughs) Buy stuff. Perhaps a coffee mug that you can enjoy a beverage out of while listening to our shows. And if you haven't got yours, please send forth in and get a free one. All right. (laughs) Thank you, Dad. All right. We'll see you on the podcast, folks. Bye. It's audio. You can't see me. Thank you.